teenagers. Um, it might be that we've come to church for a really long time, okay? Um, but when we are faced with challenges, but when we are, but when we get outside of church, let's say when we go to college, when you go to college, right? Or when you leave this place and work somewhere else, it almost feels like God is someone who's a stranger, all right? Because it is on, at that time when you face a challenge or when you are alone and you leave, quote unquote, your home church or you're just by yourself, whatever, you know, that you, you, you're coming to God yourself and you're faced with this feeling and this knowledge of, God, I really don't know you. You know, I follow my parents to, to church. I probably come to um, church because I have friends there just because, you know, this is what we do on Sundays or Fridays or whatever, um, Bible study. But a lot of times it feels like our God is, is a stranger, right? I don't really know you, God. Right? And that's why I, you know, gave the title called, Hey, who are you? Right? Hey, who are you? And um, the very first message, so there are three messages that I prepared um, to talk, to address this issue, this topic. And the very first, um, the very first uh, message is called, do not be mistaken. Okay. Do not be mistaken. And the reason why, so I'm just giving a little bit overview as the start, right? Uh, do not be mistaken is because a lot of times we come to church and it seems like we come to church for the wrong reasons, right? And when we come to church, um, we focus on the wrong things, right? It doesn't matter if it's youths or if it's adults, okay? Coworkers, whoever. All of us, a lot of times we come to church for the wrong reason, okay? We focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the wrong matters. And, um, and that's why the very first message is called do not be mistaken, okay? Do not be mistaken. And it's going to be from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 17. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. And um, the second message, which tomorrow morning is uh, from Exodus, right? Chapter 6 to uh, chapter 7, it says, hello, I am Jehovah. Right, I am Jehovah, and that message is there to do a deeper introduction of who our God, uh, Jehovah, is, our Lord Father, Jehovah is. Okay, um, to give a little bit more understanding of uh, the the first message talks about focusing on the right thing, which is our God. Okay, which is our God, and the second message is okay. So who is our God? Right, who is our God? And the, the title is called "Hello, I am Jehovah." All right. And the third message is called, hello, I am Jesus Christ. Okay. I am Jesus Christ. And that's from the gospel of Mark chapter five, um, chapter five, verse 21 through 43. Okay. So hopefully this series, after we go through these three messages, I'm not saying that after these three messages, you'll have a complete understanding of who our God, who our, you know, Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ is. You, you won't. Okay. But hopefully, um, what, what I'm really praying is that this will give you a little bit more curiosity, okay? Just a little bit more curiosity of who our God is so that it helps you and paves the way 
to um, for you to 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 continue to seek Him. Okay, so that that's what I truly hope uh, is gonna going to be accomplished, and uh, I pray that our God's will can be done, and um, that more of you may be willing to come to follow Him a little bit more. All right, so um, let's come to today's message. Uh, don't be mistaken. Okay, don't be mistaken. And let's flip to uh, turn to First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse ten through seventeen. All right, First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten through seventeen. And um, if you're familiar, I've been to your uh, your gathering for what three times, right? Two times online, one time in person. I think uh, if you if you remember, I follow the text verse by verse really closely. So I ask you to, uh, if you have your Bible, uh, electronic or in paper, uh, please follow me, all right? Please follow me and follow the passage really closely. Don't close it, okay? I'm going to keep on referring back, all right, to the message, okay? First Corinthians chapter one, verses 10 through 17, okay? Let me read in, uh, in English. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I meant, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Okay, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the topic of this message is do not be mistaken. You know, a lot of times when we come to church, um, again, it doesn't matter if it's youth or adults. We come to church. What is it that we focus on? When you get dressed in the morning, let me ask, I'm asking you this question, right? We can, it is a retreat, so we can be a little bit more interactive, right? So uh, as you dress up, right, usually you put on better dress, right? Um, you know, clothing. As you dress up in the morning, think about it, right? As you dress up in the morning, on Sunday morning, you, you are preparing to come to church, you get into your car, you, you get into your parents' car, you get into your own car, right? And you, on the way you come to church, what is it that you are thinking? Oh, shoot, I'm late, <laughs> right? Or what are you thinking? What are you, what are you thinking? Are you prepared to meet the Lord, the creator of the universe, or you're thinking of something else? Are you thinking of yourself? Are you thinking of other things? Are you thinking about school tomorrow? Right? What are you thinking about? Not even on Sundays. Let's say, I don't know when you do your Friday night Bible study. Is it Friday night? It should be Friday night, right? Or, uh, okay, Friday night. Um, 
Yo, what are you thinking? Are you still thinking about what happened at school? Are you still thinking, you know, for adults, you know, what happened at work? What are you thinking about? What is the goal for you to go to Friday night Bible study? What is the goal for you to go to Sunday church gatherings? And by the way, Friday night is church as well, right? So what, what are you thinking, right? Think about it. Um, so tell a little story. So Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Lionel Messi, do you know who they are? Ronaldo and Messi, right? They're very, very famous soccer players, okay? Very famous soccer players. Still living today, right? <laughs> they're, they're good players, right? So Ronaldo and Messi are longtime rivals in soccer, okay? They don't like each other very much, okay? They hate each other, right? So one day, Ronaldo was actually interviewed by a reporter, okay? And during the interview, uh, the reporter asked him some questions, and Ronaldo said, I think God sent me to this world to teach people how to play soccer, okay? They're really good. They're, like, historically good, okay? It's, it's a treat. I'm not even a soccer fan, right? But when I watch him play, oh, it's, it's, it's great, okay? So Ronaldo said, I think God sent me to this world to teach people how to play soccer, right? So not a really humble person. So the next day, the same reporter go went and asked Messi, right? And said, Messi, um, what are your thoughts about what Ronaldo said today? He said, right, I think God sent me to this world to teach people how to play soccer. Uh, Messi, what do you think about what Ronaldo said, right? And Messi said, he replied, well, I didn't know that I have sent him to the world. <laughs> I didn't know that I have sent him to the world, right? So basically, Messi is saying that he is, uh, he is God himself, right? Um, so as you know, of course, this is a joke, right? But as you know, from just this joke alone, you can see that men are prideful, right? Men are prideful and self-centered beings right? Men are prideful and self-centered beings. And um, the church of Corinth has many problems. It has many problems. One, it has, you know, it doesn't believe in the resurrection, for example, right? In chapter 15, it doesn't have the order of worship. And that's in another chapter, right? It has the matters of faith. Okay. So uh, what does it mean that you believe in God, you believe in Christ? Right. It, it talks about the matters of what to eat, what not to eat. People are arguing about what to eat, what not to eat. Right. There are matters of adultery. Right. In the church, there are people that's committing, you know, adultery, just um, unspeakable things. Right. Um, and, and there are brothers and sisters suing one another. You're muted somehow, suddenly. Oh, yeah. my bad. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So where did I stop? Probably when, when the, they gave me a B. So there's so many different things, so many different you know, problems in the church of Corinth. As you go down the chapters, basically, Paul was listing out all the different you know, problems, right? So, but at the beginning of the chapter, so before Paul went out to talk about all these issues that I talked about, in chapter one, Paul basically, right from the beginning, pointed out the root cause of the problems, 
the root cause. What's causing all these issues? Issues with adultery, issues with argument, with issues with lack of love, issues with you know calling about what to eat, what not to eat. In chapter one, we talk, he basically talk about we are self-centered. They are self-centered, all right? What causes divisions among men? When I say men, I mean both men and women, right? But human beings, right? What causes division among men? Think about it. What causes argument and conflict? See, argument and conflict is okay, right? You and I, we will have different opinions. And it is okay to have arguments and conflicts. But if arguments and conflicts are not dealt with, it leads to division. So what causes divisions among men? You can see in the Church of Corinth that there's massive division in amongst all of them, even in the passage that we read today, right? So what causes division among men? We may think, a lot of times we may think there's division because the, the, because the way we do things, all right? You do things differently from me, okay? You do different things from her. We may think that, we may think that it's difference of opinion, okay? You think differently from me. Adults think different from youths. Youths think different from adults. It may be language, you know? He doesn't speak Chinese. He doesn't speak English. Right. Um, we may think it's uh, our background. All right. Uh, or age, as I mentioned. But you know what? These are just symptoms. I can tell you that these are just symptoms. This is not the root cause of division. When you see of the lack of communication between the youths uh, or the youth and adults, when you see the lack of communication in amongst uh, co-workers, so on and so forth. The one, the root cause of division, as Paul points out, is that we are self-centered. We focus on ourselves. You, myself, we're born to focus on ourselves, okay? Um, we think of ourselves first and foremost, okay? Then we think of other people. Even, see, that's a troubling thing. Even when we're thinking about other people, we're still thinking of ourselves. What do I mean by that? All right, well, what do I mean that, by that? Some years ago, all right, more, more than, you know, eight years ago, okay, uh, it was my wife's birthday. So after work, I went and bought her a big bouquet of flowers, right? Along with the gift I bought a few days ago, right? And I was thinking that she can... She, right. She can. She will be really happy. Right. But she wasn't. Right. But she wasn't. She wasn't happy at all. OK, because that day she was busy. She went home. I, I opened up. You know, she opened up the, the I actually ran the doorbell and she came. And but she wasn't as happy as I wanted her to be. All right. She was cooking and uh, I got home from work, gave her the flower and she wasn't happy. I was thinking I was hoping she's going to be happy. Right. And I got her a gift, nice little gift, right? But she wasn't happy, right? Or she wasn't as happy as I wanted her to be. All right? Her reaction wasn't like, oh, thank you, darling. Thank you, honey. You know, so on and so forth. She just said, oh, thank you. And she went, 
right to cooking, right? So that whole night, I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really get over it, right? I was like, something is wrong here. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because she's not as happy as I wanted her to be. I gave you a flower. I gave you a gift, right? How come you did not give me the response that I wanted you to give me, right? So at the end of the, uh, you know, of to, towards the, 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 the end of the night, okay, basically, I would, you know, she's like, what, what, what's wrong? I was like, well, remember like five hours ago when I first came home? <laughs> You know, when you open the door and you were not as happy as I thought you were going to be. Okay. And she's like, no, I mean, I was happy. I was just cooking. You know, I was busy. Right? I'm sorry. You see, in the beginning, I thought I loved her. I wanted to do something good for her. I wanted to give something to, for her so she can be happy. But in the end, what was I lo really looking for? I was looking for the pleasure of making her happy so I can be happy. You see, a lot of times when we're thinking about, we think of ourselves first. And a lot of times we think of other people. But when we think about other people, we're still thinking about ourselves. If you think a little bit deeper, that is very true in our lives a lot of times, if you think about it. As a parent, I have three young kids. A lot of times I will think, you know, I'm loving them. I'm loving them. I'm doing this for them. I'm helping them grow up and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And sometimes they will make me mad. Sometimes they will make me mad. And I just calm down a little bit. And when I think, why did they make me mad? Why did they make me mad? Do I, is it really because they disobeyed me on something that will trouble their life for a long time? That I really care for their long-term well-being? Or it's really because at that very moment I'm busy or I'm tired or I am, you know, or I'm exhausted and they did something that made me mad. A lot of times, us parents, right, we think we're justified to, because we love our kids. So we're justified to do a lot of things and say a lot of things towards our kids. But let's think a little bit. A lot of times, the things that we do and say to our kids is not really for them. It's for us. It's for us. Um, I know sometimes the, uh, I don't want to stereotype but, uh, you know, like sometimes Chinese parents, right, they like to talk about, oh, where the probably not in the U.S., right? But I was, you know, I went back to China and, um, you know, Chinese parents were like at the gatherings, like, oh, where did your kid go to school, right? Where did your kid go to school? What is your kid working on? What is your kid, you know, what, what is your job, right? Are we really talking about it for the good of our kids? Or are we talking about it because... I just want to brag about myself, right? Look how good of a job I did, right? A lot of times when we think of other people, we're still thinking about ourselves, right? And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. There's a college student in uh, San Diego that, and also another one in Brooklyn that they're suing their schools, their colleges. They're suing their colleges for not being able to find a job. 
right? They went back to school. They went to school. They went to college. After college, they could not uh, find a job. All right. So guess what? They sue the college. All right. And saying you did not give me a good enough uh, education. So that is why right now I cannot find a job. True story. You can Google it. All right. The, um, you know, our self-centeredness is so ingrained. Our selfishness is so ingrained that we do it automatically without thinking. C.S. Lewis, I think all of you should know C.S. Lewis, right? If you don't, search him. Great, uh, great, great Christian of the 20th century, right? C.S. Lewis said, one sentence, at this very moment, you and I are either committing selfishness or about to commit it or repenting it. Again. At this very moment, he said, you and I are either committing selfishness or about to commit it in the near future or repenting it. We can't escape from it. Okay. To a degree, we are pretty full of ourselves. All of us. We're very full of ourselves. No matter if you're a person of confidence or if you're a person with low self-esteem. Sometimes people with low self-esteem will think, Oh, I don't think about myself all the time. No, no, no. If you're low self-esteem, you're thinking about yourself all the time. I was someone with really low self-esteem. I can tell you that. And when I think deeper, I really cared more about myself than other people. Either way, we're full of ourselves. Our eyes are fixed, fixed on what I want, what I need, what I think should be done. Right. If you're a coworker, what I think should be done, what I want to be done. And often we forget what our Lord Jesus Christ wants. Our eyes are often not focused on Jesus, but instead we focus on ourselves. And we focus on other men because we love ourselves. Why do I say that? All right. Take the church of Corinth. Think about it. This is a church situated in the city of Corinth. If you don't know the city of Corinth, it's on the southern end of the Grecian uh, peninsula. Basically, it's, um, you know, if you see Athens in the north, if you go down south, you will find Corinth, okay, towards the southern tip of that peninsula right there. It's a southern Greece uh, city. It's a city with two seaports, okay? Um, you don't often find city with two seaports, right? But two a city with two seaports, like New York City, it has many seaports, right? Serving the, as the commercial center of this day. So think about it. Corinth is a really a bustling city, right? It's a really prosperous city. There are a lot of people going back and forth. There's a lot of trade, a lot of commerce. It's a big city, right? But the city is also filled with idol worshiping. Right, philosophers, prostitutes, okay, culture, wisdom, right? a lot of smart people philosophizing, right, and lust, desires, right, like a sin city, right. The Corinth are known for their, uh, the Corinthians are known for their prosperous life, and it's a life filled with desires, with fleshy desires okay and at that time there's even a saying that if you live a luxurious and lustful life then you could be called 
you're being called and described, oh, you're such a Corinthian, okay? Because being a Corinthian is representing lust and desire and luxury, luxury, okay? If you live a really well-off life, people will call you, you're such a Corinthian. It became an adjective, okay? As such a place where men seek to satisfy their own desires, as we're self-centered, as men seek to satisfy their own desires, okay? Where everyone looked to satisfy their self-centered intentions. In among that place, there's a place called a church, a church of God, right? And that church of God, verse two says, two, verse six of uh, what we, uh, verse two of the, the first chapter, right? If you flip to it, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He is, Paul is writing to these people in the church of Corinth to say, you are sanctified, that you are the church of God. In amongst that place, there is a place called the church of God. You in amongst that place where everyone is thinking about themselves, where everyone is doing everything to satisfy their own fleshy desires. We have a group of people that's sanctified. We have a group of people that is separated out. What does sanctify mean? Sanctify means to become holy, right? What does it mean to become holy? If you're sanctified, then you're holy. What does that mean? It means that you are separated to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? To be holy is to be separated from the world. You means you're unique and that you belong to God. Okay. There is a group of people that Paul is saying, you belong to God in the midst of all these other people. You belong to God. They can go to do everything that satisfies themselves, but you belong to God. You are different. You are someone that's different. You know, holy, to be sanctified, to be holy, you know what the opposite of holy is? What the antonym of holy is? To be not holy is to be common. Okay, is to be secular, is to be common. Common means you're just like everything else, right? You're just like everything else. That's what common is, okay? To be holy is to be not common. You're unique, you're separated. You're separated from the world. You're separated from sin. You're separated from everything else. But if you're not holy, then you're common just like everything else. But Paul is saying you're not like everything else. Look at everything around you, okay? The lust, the, 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 the dirty things that's happening, the, the simple things, the, 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 you know, the, the greed that's happening, okay? All around you, but you are different. You are different. On one side is the world itself. On the other side, the church of Corinth is the world of Jesus Christ. And guess what? You belong to that world. You belong to that world. And this group of people are blessed by God. This group of people in Corinth, these Christians, 
the saints sanctified, they, they mean saints, saints, right? They are actually blessed by God. God gave them what? God gave them richness in speech and wisdom, in all speech and wisdom. It means that, you know, they don't lack in any spiritual gift as well. If you read ahead, right? Uh, verse six and verse seven, okay? You want a person that can play instruments? Perfect. You want someone who can play the piano? They got it. You want to have a good speaker? Oh, they have great speakers. You want someone that can pray? Oh, they can pray, okay? They can use eloquent words to pray, okay? You want to have someone that can teach Sunday school? They got good, they got good teachers. They don't lack in any wisdom or any knowledge, okay? And they're blessed. And as Paul prayed for them to be blessed, by all the spiritual gifts there is, okay? However, however, when self-centered men, when self-centered people are paired with all kinds of wisdom, with all kinds of knowledge, what happens? It made men to look not unto Jesus Christ anymore. They look to themselves more and more. They look to what they can do more and more, right? They look at themselves and they look at each other to compare with themselves. This self-centeredness, this selfishness is the root cause of division amongst men. Finally, sorry, a little bit long introduction, okay? But verse one, let's come to verse one or verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 10. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Verse 10. So Paul asked them to agree, or in some texts, um, a Bible text, it says, speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. Paul is saying, I ask you, right, to speak the same thing. So what does it mean to agree with one another and to speak? All right. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I cannot have a different opinion from you. Right. I have a different background. I have a different personality. Right. From you, from from whoever. Right. And you do have each other. Right. With each other. So you will not agree. <laughs> A lot of times. So what is it that Paul wants you to agree? Is it really mean that when someone else speaks, nobody else speaks? All right, just agree with him. Whoever speaks first wins. Is that, is that what he means? Is that what he meant? No, right? Let's take singing as an example. Singing. I don't know if your church have, has a choir, right? Um, but singing. Um, it's not asking everyone to sing the same tune or same way, right? In the choir, you know, you have tenor, you have bass, you have soprano, you have alto, right? You have all these different parts. Sometimes you have baritone, right? You, you have all these different parts. Are they all singing the same note? No, they're not, right? In choir, you're asked to sing a different tune, right? 
you're asked to sing, you know, a different way. Sometimes the soprano needs to be really like, you know, strong, right? Strong, emotional. While the bass, I was a bass when I was, you know, in church choir. But, you know, with, as a bass, it's almost calm and low, right? <laughs> Just, right? And become that bass, right? Steady, calm and steady, right? You are not always seeing the same way. You're not always seeing the same note. But guess what? You are seeing the same song. You're singing the same song. Sometimes you and I, we may have a difference of opinion. We may have difference and to say, you know, um, we think things should be done this way. Things should be done that way as coworkers. But in our hearts, if we understand why is it that I think it should be done this way? I think it should be done this way because I sincerely think that this is going to give, please, my Lord Jesus Christ. If this is going to make him happy, if this is going to make him happy and for him to be happy, for his church to be built is my thinking. And that is why I think this way. Now you may think another way and you may also be like, as long as our Christ Lord Jesus is pleased, as long as he is happy, he is joyful, as long as his church is being built, I'm good, right? That's why I want it done that way. But if the two of us, we can come together and say, all right, you want Lord Jesus Christ to be happy. You want your Lord Jesus Christ to be happy. But what makes him sad? It makes him sad if we argue with one another and if we become hateful at each other, right? What is the song? We may sing a different note, but what is the song that we're singing together? We're singing the song of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul is trying to say. Agree with one another. Say the same thing with one another. Not necessarily, not saying you shouldn't have your own opinion, but at the bottom, at the foundation, where is your starting point? Your starting point, we're all starting from the same thing. Lord Jesus Christ is that song that we're all singing together. You know, Paul from verses 1 through 10, if you look at verses 1 through 10, right? We read 10 through 17, but if you look at the previous verses, it mentioned Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus nine times, all right? So in verse, in 10 verses, Paul mentioned Jesus Christ nine times. Hear me out. Verses, verse 1, pay attention. Paul, and, and pay attention and see if you can get a feeling of what Paul is trying to tell the church of Corinth, okay? Verse one, it says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Verse two, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Verse three, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give Verse four, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Six, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Seven, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse eight, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 10, 
I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ten verses, nine times. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Lord Christ. You, you get a feeling of what he's trying to say to the church of Corinth? We say important things must be said three times, right? Important things need to be said three times. Paul said it nine times in 10 verses. He is saying this. Hey, guys, stop looking at yourself. Even when you're serving, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at each other because you want to compare because of yourself. Stop the divisions. Look to Jesus. Paul is asking them to speak the same thing, to use the same mind and the same judgment, which is basically asking them to use the same thought process like Jesus Christ and the same criteria as Jesus Christ to think. Whenever, whatever we do things, in church, in amongst his people, even in our own lives. Jesus Christ is always the foundation. And whenever we forget about that, no matter if we're doing beautiful things, no matter if we're serving on the podium, on the, you know, on the altar, on the, you know, serving worship or whatever it is that we're doing, as long as soon as we get away from that foundation and we start focusing ourselves, I'm sorry, then we're doing something wrong. It doesn't matter how big of a sermon, how beautiful of a speech you give or I give, how, how, how great of a inspiration you lead. As soon as we depart from Jesus Christ, as soon as we say, oh, wow, that was beautiful. Good job, me. All right. We have gone away from what God wants us to do. We're all different, right? We have different backgrounds. We have different personalities. We have different experiences. You know, from the time you grow up to the time I grow up to the time your parents grow up. They, we grow up in so many different backgrounds that helped us to form who we are today. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. One coworker might be very detail-oriented. Right. One coworker might be very laid back and say, ah, whatever. Right. Whatever. It's all going to work out. We don't need to plan ahead. It's all right. But one worker says, no, no, no we got to plan everything. Right. We may work very differently. One elder may be very quiet. And the other elder might be, you know, might be very vocal. Right. Very vocal. You know, one brother speak English and Chinese. How can all these differences come to the same mind? How can we be singing the same song? By having Jesus Christ, by thinking Jesus Christ. You know, how can we, you know, we have studied him, right? We, we know Jesus. Of course we know Jesus. What do you mean? You know, you got to think about Jesus Christ. Right. You know. There's a brother in our church. I can tell you we're co-worker, right? We're polar opposites from each other. If you hear the way he preaches to the way I preach, if you see the way he works and the way I work, just two totally different. You couldn't, like, in my life right now, so far, he's like a anti-Jeff. 
Okay, like if it's me, I'm Jeff. He's like a polar opposite from me. All right, polar opposite from me. But you know, and, and years ago during a Bible study session, we both acknowledged that we're different in so many ways. All right, in so many ways, and but. It is incredible that we can serve all these years, almost 20 years, all right? That all these years that we can serve with one another. And we really haven't had any big arguments. We had difference of opinion, but it never turned into arguments and we cherish each other, okay? You know, um, just some time ago when we were just chatting, we, the two of us, we reflected back to our time spent together, right? We, we never really had this division and this, we cherish each other. We treasure each other. You know why? And we pray for each other. If we're in the real world, I can tell you, if we're really in the, in the real world, if let's say we're in a company, all right? And we're in the same department. Trust me, we will become the biggest rivals of each other. Okay, just because we're so different, we're so different, you know, but in Christ, it is possible for us to have unity. In Christ, on the bottom of my mind, I love this brother because I know his difference is helping me to grow. A lot of times when I see him disagreeing from me, What I see is Christ helping me to think broader. And Christ is helping me, Jesus Christ is helping me to not think about myself, but try to understand what he is saying. This brother next to me is like a treasure that Christ has planned for me in my life to help me grow. And that is why I never argue with him. A lot of times I take a step back. A lot of times he takes a step back. Why? Because we're, we have that same song. Hey, brother, if we're singing the same song, it's okay for me to take a step back. It's okay for me to, quote unquote, lose. It's okay. As long as the church is built, as long as our Christ's heart is, is satisfied, I'm okay. I'm okay. Unity doesn't mean that we're like all robots. Like I said, I'm still different from him till this day after 20 years, okay? Doing exactly the same thing in the same way, right? Unity doesn't mean that way. Unity comes from knowing and loving Jesus. And because of Jesus, we're willing to put down ourselves and thinking for the other person, right? Thinking of other person. A lot of times we think of the divisions in our church, the arguments during coworker meetings. Of course, I don't know if you have arguments during your coworkers meetings, right? Um, maybe you're all like, good. <laughs> like you agree with each other. There's no issue. There's no division. Okay. I don't know. I've never been there, right? I've been to coworker meetings though that are quite contentious, okay? That are, and, and when I was younger, I was actually the point of contention, okay? I was a lot of times, I was the one that started the fight, okay? When I was younger. Um, and when we have heated debates, think about it. 
Let's think. Are those debates with one another? Are those disagreements with the principles of the Bible? Sometimes, right? Sometimes a coworker will say, "Well, the Bible says this," and the co coworker will say, "Well, no, 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 the Bible says this," right? The Bible will says this, or if we think deeper, are we really disagreeing with matters of opinion? With matters of opinion, are you questioning a lot of times what your understanding of the Bible is? A lot of times we don't, right? My understanding must be right. <laughs> But I can tell you, a lot of times, our understanding of the Bible is just my opinion. I'm sorry, don't be offended. All right, at least for me, a lot of times, what I think the Bible is saying, a lot of times, after a few years, when I go back and look at it, that's not what the Bible is saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I think is saying. All right, you know, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we understand what it is that. He, That it is He that died for us, nobody else. As Paul is saying, He died on the cross was for us. He was hung on the cross. He paid what we cannot pay. He is the one that is calling us to love one another. He paid the price. Nobody else. I didn't pay the price. Why does my opinion matter? I didn't pay the price, right? And he also, more importantly, paid the price for the brother that I'm arguing about. He is also paid. He also paid the price for that brother or sister that I'm saying bad things behind their back. Do you criticize people behind their back? Probably, if you're human beings, you probably have done that. But don't forget, Jesus Christ also paid the price for him or her. They're also the children of God, not only you but them as well. You see that same song. We're in the same family. It all starts from the same foundation. Verse twelve. What I mean is that each one of you says, "I follow Paul," or "I follow Apollos," or "I follow Jesus," or Cephas," or "I follow Christ." Verse twelve. Paul is saying. Verse verse eleven says no division, please. Verse twelve says so. What I mean is, some of you are saying I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Stephen, or I follow Christ. You know, instead of a God-centered church, a Christ-centered church, they continue to be a men-centered church. They lift the name of different men. Okay. They lift the names of different men for the purpose of what? We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. Some say, "I follow Paul." I follow Paul. Right? Paul. Paul is the founding father of the church. All right. The church started with him. Paul spent one point five years, one and a half years, with the church of Corinth. Paul is the one that is raising churches, not only in Corinth but everywhere. Paul is the most famous preacher at that time. I follow Paul. Some say they follow Apollos. Who's Apollos? Apollos came from Alexandria. Okay, the great Egyptian city. It's a city of great wisdom, right? And he is a very, very famous preacher. He speaks with eloquent words. Okay, 
as setting the Bible, so eloquent, so elegant in the way he speaks, okay? You will be mesmerized and you'll be attracted when he's preaching, okay? The word of God. He's just such a good preacher. So some say they follow Apollos. Some say they follow Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter, right? Peter. Cephas means little stone, right? So Cephas, Peter. And Peter said, Peter walked on water, right? P Peter walked on water. Peter seems to be the one, the disciple that's really close to God, right? Right, he walked on water. He was the one that went out to the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, Peter was the one that after Jesus was resurrected, he went to see Peter. And what did Peter say? What did Christ say? Jesus said, you shepherd my sheep, right? Three times, shepherd my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Right? So Peter is this person that's really close to Christ, really close to Jesus. I'm of Peter. I'm of Cephas. Okay, I follow Cephas. And you know what? <laughs> Some actually say, ah, oh, all of you, you're not spiritual enough, right? You're, you're so worldly. How can you follow man? Guess what? I follow Christ. I follow Jesus Christ. Okay? Maybe these people are truly devout Christians. I don't know if your church has uh, uh, prayer meetings. Do you? Maybe, you know, prayer meetings, they don't come to prayer meetings. I do, right? I'm a really devout Christian. I really love the Lord, right? I come to prayer meeting every time. I volunteer every time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the center of, of church service, okay, every time. But you know what? Because of our own self-centeredness, when these people, when they're looking at people quarreling and say arguing Paul of Paul I followed Cephas I follow Apollos they're like you know what I'm the smart one I know the truth guess who I follow I follow Jesus Christ I follow Jesus Christ I'm more spiritual I know the truth you all you're not spiritual enough right we're following Christ but you know what this is just another kind of boasting Another kind of boasting to say, I'm the smart one. I'm sorry, but I'm the smart one. All right, I'm the better one. Okay, we cannot get out of thinking ourselves, right? Verse 13, Paul asked three questions. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Three questions he asked. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? First, is Christ divided? You know, this should hit, serve as the hit on the head for the Corinthian brothers and sisters, right? They haven't realized that with their action and with their words, they're actually dividing the church. That with dividing the church, they're actually dividing Christ. You know, do we know that when we try to divide church, we're actually tearing Christ apart? When we hate someone, when we gossip someone, when we try to form parties in the church and say, 
that, 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 those people, they're on my side. And those people, they're on the other side. When we form these cliques, when we form parties, do we know that we're actually tearing Christ apart? Paul knows this, right? He knows this firsthand. He was the one that's prosecuting the church, isn't it? He's on the way to Damascus, ready to prosecute some more, right? And on the way to Damascus, Jesus said to him, appeared to him, and saying that he was persecuting Jesus Christ. Why? He's persecuting the church. How come Jesus Christ was saying that he was persecuting him? Is because Jesus himself is the church. The church is Jesus himself. Second question, was Paul crucified for you? He's basically asking, did any of these men, Paul, Cephas, Apollos, did they crucify for you? Did they pray the pri pay the price for you? And he said, did you, add, did, did you baptize in the name of Paul? So Paul was saying, did a man bring you into salvation? Did a person bringing you to, bring you into salvation? Did Paul baptize you? No. No. A church should never raise the name of men. Never. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we see this phenomenon, right, in churches. We're attracted by big names, right? Um, you know, when Brother Stephen, Stephen Kung, right, um, very dear um, elder to me as well, you know, when Brother Stephen Kung came to our church to speak, you know, our church parking, parking lot was overflowing, right, in, uh, in, in, when I, in my, you know, um, when I was younger in Wyckoff, right, whenever Stephen Kung comes, right, we got to, our church parking lot becomes full. And then we got to go park to the Jewish temple, <laughs> Jewish temple right across from us. And it's parked full. And then we got to go park to the, uh, to the elementary school. No kidding. Element, Sickle Mac. <laughs> Sickle Mac elementary school, 10 minutes away from me. And we got to park there and we got to have shuttle buses going back and forth. Seriously, we have shuttle buses going back. And forth. When Brother Stephen Kung comes. Right, Jiang Shoudao, right? When he comes, wow, everyone gathers. Wow, every again, very dear brother to me, no issue. But I'm just saying, is his message more important than any other Sunday message that was given by God through a preacher to us? No. But we love big names. I love big names. When I hear Stephen Collins, sure. You know, when I go on YouTube and I see, you know, I, I, I see Billy Graham. Sure. I, I, I go and take a listen. Right. We are drawn to people. You see, a lot of times we're drawn to people. All right. But are we trained to listen for the word of God? Whoever it may come with, whoever it may come from. Are you ready to listen to the word of God? I tell you, the word of God may come from a child. I can tell you, my three kids, young, oldest being seven, youngest being three, a lot of times they teach me something. God used them to teach me something. It may come from a teenager. It may come from anyone in your life that God may use to speak to you. Are you ready or are you focused on people? 
someone baptized me. Oh, someone. Honestly, I forgot who baptized me, right? When I was 17. Okay, I was 17. I got baptized. Honestly, to this day, I really forgot who baptized me, all right? But sometimes you'll hear there's a sister one time, one day before, um, you know, he, she came to me on Thanksgiving retreat and he's like, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Apparently she knows me, right? She knows my name and she's really excited. Hi, Jeff, right? And I was like, hi. <laughs> and who are you? <laughs> He said, like, remember, you know, four years ago, you baptized me. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> just so many different people, right? But she, she remembered, right? Of course, nothing wrong with it. I'm just using it as an example. It really doesn't matter who baptized her. What matters is that she, her sin was raised, was, was erased, was paid the prize by Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if I baptized her or not. I have no power. Who cares? And this is what Paul is saying. Did Paul baptize you? Did Paul hang on the cross for you? No. No. Don't focus on yourselves. Don't focus on men. You focus on men. You focus on these different people. Focus on me. Paul, You. some of you say you follow me. You know why? is because you want to show other people that you're good, you're better. But I can tell you, none of these people paid anything for you. None of these people has done anything for you in salvation. Stop looking at men, right? Verse 14 through 16, it says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. So Paul was saying that he only baptized Crispus, Gaius, and the household of Stephanus. What does this mean? Did the church of Corinth only have these people as Corinthians, as Christians? No. The church of Corinth has a lot more people than just Gaius, Crispus, and the household of Stephanus, right? These are the people that, you know, that, that Paul baptized. But there are so many other people, okay? They have many other brothers and, and sisters that were baptized by other people, even Chloe's people. Chloe's people, who are Chloe's people? If you read on to uh, later on, you'll see, you know, in other chapters, you'll see Chloe's people are the people who's giving, you know, a lot of people trouble, all right? Um, Chloe's people, he, Chloe, you know, they were not baptized by Paul. He did not want people to think that they were baptized in his name. Whether someone is baptizing someone's name doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter. Verse 17, last sentence. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of his power. Paul was sent to preach the gospel, right? But he didn't preach with beautiful words or wisdom because men are not saved by what seemed to be beautiful or wisdom or smart. Beautiful words and wisdom cannot save men. You know, 
if you understand Corinth and Greece, it's a place filled with philosophy. There's a lot of philosophers, okay, at the time, and the so-called wisdom. Paul said he did not come to the church of Corinth. He did not come here to preach with eloquent words or with wisdom. But the church of Corinth is situated in a city that has a lot of philosophers. They actually have a place called the Forum. A lot, right now we have the online Forum, right? You know where that word Forum comes from? The, for, the word Forum comes from the Greek culture. Is that in their big cities, they have these, you know, the, 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 these uh, forums, an empty space, big open space, and with building around it that allow people to come in and they just philosophize with each other. What is the meaning of life? What is good? What is bad? How, how, how do you define death? What is life? What is death? You know, blah, 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 blah. They, they, they philosophize. There's a lot of wisdom going around, so-called wisdom, right? But, God's, but, but Paul said, I did not come to you with wisdom, with words of wisdom. You know why? Because men are not saved by wisdom. You know, there's a belief that at that time, wisdom can help mankind escape the pain and doom of life. Wisdom can even help mankind to escape the doom of death. That man could transcend into a higher ground by philosophizing. Somewhat like Buddhism, right? By having the wisdom and revelation of what life is about, then you can transcend yourself to a higher level, okay? But no, no words of men, not wisdom, not fame, not doing, any doing of men can save us. It is only through the death on the cross that our sins are forgiven. Only through the resurrection that we have gained a new life. Only through his obedience to the Lord that the salvation is made possible. It is only because Jesus was willing to put himself down, denying himself, being laid, nailed on the cross for us, for you, for me, for, for, for him, that we are saved and that we can sit here. It is only through that. It's through his unselfishness. If you go read uh, Philippians chapter two, right? That he humbled himself down, that he obeyed God to the point of death, of nailing on the cross. It is through his humility that we are saved. If Jesus was a selfish person, just like us, any little bit, then we are doomed. He will never have gone onto the cross. Never. We argue, we divide, we dislike each other as if our smarts and our vision, our the power of man, my opinion, the doings of man can save us. Some church will even argue about whether or not to have a choir. Oh, it's biblical to have a chorus. To, to have a choir, it's unbiblical to have a choir. Should we do this? Should we do that? It's as if we do it this way, the church will be better off. 
if we don't this, then the church is doomed. No, it is the power of the cross that have gotten us here. It doesn't matter if you think that we made the choice because we listened to you. It is Christ. We are all in God's hands. The mistakes we do, the good things we do, the successful retreats that we have, the unsuccessful retreats that we have, the gospel camps that we have, the, the people that we, that, that we lost, everything is in the hands of Christ, not hands of men. No man can destroy Christ's work on the church. Remember that. Once, when I was a little bit younger, all right, I'm not saying I'm that old, right, but I'm a little bit, when I was a little bit younger, one elder reminded me and said, Jeff, remember, you're not powerful enough to destroy the church of God. You know, a lot of times I worry, right, when I was younger, I worry, oh, the church is going the wrong way, oh, the church is, oh, why isn't he listening to me? Why isn't he listening to me? Sure, sometimes there are grave things that we need to do and correct. I'm not saying do nothing. But most of the time, most of the time, it's just my opinion. And when people don't agree with my opinion, I worry. Oh, no, 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 no. He's making the wrong choice. And the elder is basically saying, Jeff, you are not powerful enough to destroy the church of God. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that, right? You know, this is a testimony of Paul. What we see here is his own display of his humility, just like Christ. Humility and denying himself. Why do I say that? In verse 10, go back to verse 10, right? He says, I beseech you, brothers, I beg you. It means to appeal, to encourage with a close relationship, to urge to beg verse 10 says i beg you don't have divisions i beg you see the word that he used is really interesting he is the founder of the church remember he's the founder of the church he could legitimately command them and say i order you do not divide but his his attitude and demeanor here is, I beg you, don't divide. Don't divide. He could very well feel that he has the authority to command, but he didn't. He's begging. He's trying to appeal to him, right? As the founder of the church, he said, don't follow me. What has Paul done for you? What has Paul done for you? But if you think, okay, Co-workers, this is to the co-workers here. Think about it. Let's say you've served in your church for 10 years, okay? And you've led Bible study, you've even preached, you've even do whatever, all right? And you have done, you have paid big price for the church, okay? And, and, and there are people who are edified by your work. People who are, who, there are even people following you. Okay, and let, let's say if you if you left the church, if you left Suffolk, okay, and you went to other places, and after five more years you came back, you came back, right? And then and then you hear other people say, "Oh, you know, 
I was taught by somebody, you know, I was taught by you, okay? I was taught by you six years ago, you know, sister or whoever taught us this and she said this still impacted me, okay? When you came back to church and you hear, heard that, the good things that you did is still there. Would you feel happy? You would, right? You would. You had an impact on the church. You would. But you know what? Paul here, he came and built the church of Corinth, help built, right? For 1.5 years, he left. And now he's somewhere else. And he heard about the church of Corinth. And there's some people that is basically throwing his name around. And saying he baptized them, he was a good preacher, they're following him. As Paul, as self, if they're, he's selfish, he will feel happy. He'll feel glad. But he's not. You know why? Because he is worried about the church of God. He is worried about the division of God. He doesn't care about himself. He doesn't care about himself. He doesn't care about his own fame, his own work, and so on and so forth. If he built God, God's church, helped God to build God's church, and now that church is divided because of him, this is the worst feeling he will ever have. He knows that it is only Jesus Christ that matters, that Jesus wants unity. He cares about what hurts Jesus. He cares about what makes Jesus happy. So brothers and sisters, it is Christ who saved us. Not the words of wisdom, not your or my organizational skills, not our talents or, you know, our, our, our talents. You know, it's, um, once I was in Northeast China, um, in, in Northeast China, close to uh, the city of Changchun, right? And uh, we're in the countryside to spread the gospel there. Um, we had a whole team there. I was leading the whole team from our church. And uh, the brother over there, he's a farmer. I can tell you, he doesn't speak eloquently. He doesn't have big wisdom or words. But I can tell you, he put many of us to tears because we can see that he truly loved God. He truly cared about Jesus Christ. He once said to me, you know, we were there doing the summertime and he, um, I can describe this too, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I didn't make this up, okay. Um, I can't make this up, I can't even imagine it. Because security reasons, we gather in a place, it's in a big corn farm like and we're in a farmhouse and because security reasons they always have someone watching there's a metal gate okay like long metal gate that rolls right and there's a door next to the metal gate and there's always someone monitoring like who's coming down the road because sometimes chinese police will come and we gotta we gotta go right we gotta we we, we gotta um leave uh, well, there's an escape route through the cornfields. It's pretty cool, but um, it wasn't cool at the time, right? We're nervous, but uh, there's there's a brother that's always watching the gate, all right? It's hot, summertime, hot, 90 degrees hot. And eh, this brother, 
was holding a umbrella for this brother that's watching the gate. Okay. And because of the posture, the, the brother watching a gate can't hold anything. So he was holding the umbrella. I actually have a picture. Um, we woke up, we usually wake up at 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m., uh, a.m., sorry, a.m. And we end at around 8 p.m. But it's summertime, so throughout that time, there's always sun. He holds that umbrella for that brother for a good nine hours a day. I will go over there and I will say, do you need a chair? Do you need something? You know, but so he's like, no, for, for the love of this brother, I, I, I want to make sure he's comfortable. I'm like, you're not comfortable. But he's like, it's okay. For the work of God, it's okay. And he's like, I'm uneducated, Jeff. This is all I can do. This is all I can do. And I have my tears. And I said to him, what you've just done is more than what we could do on the podium with any program. What you have done, you displayed is the love of Christ. And that's actually what we're here to preach about. You know, it is all about Jesus Christ. In the world, Self-centeredness is encouraged. In the world, it is encouraged to lift up other men's names. But in the church of God, we're different. We're different. We can come to love each other. We can come to think outside of ourselves. It's all because we see and experience that in our salvation, our redemption, that only our Redemption only comes from God and Jesus Christ himself crucified. Let us not look on the wrong thing. You know, it, it may feel like I'm repeating myself. It's re really because this is so important, but we forget. We look at ourselves all the time. And it, it leads us to look at other people and we compare and we divide. You know, we look on the wrong thing when we come to church. Um, to conclude, um, so there's this story, right? Do you, do you all know Sherlock Holmes? Four more, right? Sherlock Holmes, right? And Watson, right? His uh, great buddy, Wat Watson. So one night, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, they went camping, right? They went camping. <laughs> And um, uh, they, they had a tent and they were there and they were drinking and they were having fun and so on and so forth. And after some alcohol, they, uh, they fell asleep. Okay, they fell asleep at night. And uh, towards the middle of the night, Sherlock Holmes woke up, right? And he nudged, uh, he, he, he nudged Watson and say, Watson, Watson, tell me, tell me. Looking at the sky, what do you see? Right? And Watson answered, I see millions and millions of stars. And Sherlock Holmes says, so what does this tell you? 
and Watson thought about it and pondered. Hmm. Astronomically, Sherlock, astronomically, this tells me that there are millions and millions of galaxies and billions and billions of planets. Astronomically, uh, astrologically, this tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, horologically time, right? Time-wise, this tells me that it is close to quarter after 3 a.m. Theologically, I can feel the omnipotence of God and our insignificance. Meteorologically, I think tomorrow will be a good weather. What about you, Sherlock Holmes? What does this tell you looking at millions of stars? A million, uh, and Sherlock and Holmes replied and shook his head and said, Watson, you dummy, our tent is stolen. All right. He was sleeping in the tent, tent was stolen. That's why they can see millions of stars. And Watson is saying astronomically, meteorologically, horologically, blah, 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 blah. Watson missed the point completely. He was dwelling in his own thoughts. Wow, stars and so on and so forth. He's enjoying everything that he's saying himself. He missed the point completely. He doesn't see that their tent has been stolen. Missing the point. When we come to church, are we missing the point? Are you looking at the wrong thing? Are you thinking on the wrong thing? I don't know. But I can tell you by myself, a lot of times I do. I still do. When we come to, when I come to church, I'm thinking about what needs to be done. I'm thinking about the the, the so-called ritual, right? The steps to go through, you know, the Sunday worship. I'm thinking about many, many other things, and I'm not thinking about God. I'm sorry. And I'm here, and I really pray that this first message will tell you, God can help you to understand. Where the focal point is, is the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else and nobody else. Okay. And hopefully this will give you a little bit of taste of, um, you know, what's to come in the next two messages. The next message will be hello. Right. So now let's turn our focus to God. Let's understand him a little bit more. Right. So tomorrow morning will be hello. I am Jehovah. And tomorrow night will be hello. I am Jesus Christ. It's their introduction to you, okay? So hopefully uh, I'll see more, uh, more of you, uh, most of you tomorrow morning as well. And uh, let's pray. Lord, we pray um, that you may use these words to help your people. Um, your words are filled with abundance, with love with knowledge and wisdom about you, about what makes you happy, about what pleases you. So I pray, Lord, that you may help us to understand and to know you more and to know who it is that we have faith in and to face ourselves, to face our faith towards you, Lord. Uh, thank you. Please help us and help the rest of the retreat and uh, be with us and talk with us. Thank you. We pray to the, we pray um, with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right.